Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 17 of Genesis chapter 9. We're going to begin reading in Genesis 9 verse 25. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be Jehovah God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. We've been going over this passage, which really is a historical parable. That means it's actual, true history, but it paints a spiritual picture. And we've seen how Noah was a husbandman, and as a husbandman, he was a type of God the Father, who planted a vineyard, and then the fruit came forth, he drank of the fruit, became drunken, he awoke from his wine, and was immediately aware of what his younger son had done unto him, and at that point, he pronounced the curse. And we've seen how Noah's awaking ties in with several scriptures in the Psalms that point to God awaking to judgment. And we've also seen how this historical passage relates to a parable that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke in Matthew chapter 25, when it says in verse 31, the Son of Man comes in his glory. And and it is judgment day. I'll read verse 31 again of Matthew 25. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy messengers with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. That would be his judgment seat. And in verse 32, And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And based upon this language, we can see that in the day of judgment, the Lord Jesus Christ will have before him sheep, that would represent God's elect, and goats that would represent the unsaved. Both the righteous and the wicked, the quick and the dead, are before the judgment seat. In previous times, in past generations, there would have been no right understanding of what is really being said here. Only now, due to our vantage point, of going through the Great Tribulation period and and into the Day of Judgment, as the Bible insists that Judgment Day began on May 21, 2011. And really, we have been forced to reconsider and to look anew at many places in the Bible to see, uh, can we be correct? Are, are we... Are we right in our understanding 
that Judgment Day did occur and we're several years into it. And, and so that has forced us. It's not that we were wise or, or that it's coming from ourself and, and we knew this information in advance. We didn't. We, we had incorrect understanding in advance of these things, but due to the timeline locking in a date and never, uh, releasing that lock, the Bible has never relinquished its grip on the date of May 21, 2011. It continues to hold it with the force of harmonization with all the scriptures pointing to that day as the end of the Great Tribulation and the beginning of judgment. And so as God's people have turned back to the Bible, many of us were quite willing to move on and and we would prefer that salvation continued, but the Bible will not permit it. It will not allow for those kinds of understandings. The Bible, again, steadfastly insists that the door of heaven shut on May 21, 2011, and that's that. And, and therefore, basically, it's as though God is saying, here is what the Bible teaches. Judgment Day began. Now, sort of uh, directing this stream to towards the people of God, the elect, now you go see how that information fits with your understanding. And of course, it doesn't fit with our previous understanding regarding the rapture of the elect before the day of judgment, that is, the elect leaving the world, not going through the judgment, and it also does not fit with other theological ideas that have been previously held. And and so we have been constrained to look in the Bible again and, first of all, to ask, is it possible that the Bible teaches a spiritual judgment? The return response from the Bible is an overwhelming yes. And, and we won't go through all the various spiritual judgments in the Bible, but just to say that every major judgment recording in the Bible was a spiritual judgment. The fall in the Garden of Eden, Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, the judgment on the churches and congregations, the judgment on Satan at the cross, spiritual judgment, spiritual judgment, spiritual judgment. May 21, 2011, Therefore, has biblical precedence to likewise follow the pattern and be a spiritual judgment. So that's not a problem. That's not a difficulty as far as the Bible's concerned. Yes, the Bible teaches a judgment can begin and continue over a prolonged period of time. And we see that with the judgment on the church for 23 years. And the Bible also teaches that there can be a judgment day, spoken of singular, and yet also consist of a prolonged period of time. The Lord speaks of the day of temptation in the wilderness. Yet Hebrews chapter 3 tells us that day was 40 years in length. So again, we can see how the Bible allows for our present circumstances of a spiritual judgment 
of a prolonged or extended judgment period that is described as a single judgment day. And, and the Bible also allows for the literal physical destruction of all things at the end of the extended period of time. And, and so we would have the statements like in Second Peter 3 that speak of the destruction of the universe or burning with the fiery heat fit within and harmonize with all these other things. We have complete harmony with that information. But there was more that we have learned because now uh, knowing the Bible has precedence and allows for spiritual judgment, prolonged judgment periods, now we have to ask another question. Does the Bible allow for God's elect to be left on the earth in the time of judgment? And we have found, again, overwhelmingly, yes. Yes. The inhabitants of the earth are burned. Isaiah 24, verse 6 says, few men left. The elect are the few. Many are called, few are chosen. Revelation 14, verse 12, after verses 10 and 11, speak of the Lord meeting out the cup of his wrath in the final judgment of the world. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. What in the world, uh, other than our present circumstances, could that statement mean? Nobody's ever explained that. Our present circumstances explain the meaning of that verse. Harmony. It fits in with all else. And the verses in Ecclesiastes that state there's a place of judgment, a time of judgment, and the righteous and the wicked are there together. The judgment, Christ's appearing of the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So we see again and again the, this information, like uh, which is plainly stated in Second Corinthians five verse ten: We, God's elect, must all appear, that is, be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ, and that's what's in view in Matthew twenty-five, verses thirty-one and thirty-two. Christ is upon the throne of His glory, the judgment seat. Before him are gathered all nations, that is, the nations of the world and the nations of them which are saved. There are two nations. As the Lord told Rebecca when she had twins in her womb and they struggled within her. And so she wondered and the Lord told her, there are two nations within you. Let me read that verse because it, it actually is very important. In Genesis 25 and verse 22, And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of Jehovah. And Jehovah said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Two nations, the nations of God's elect that Jacob represents because God said Jacob I loved and the nations of the world 
that Esau represents, Esau I have hated. These are the two nations spiritually that exist in the world, the two nations that have been doing battle throughout the history of the world. One ruled over by Satan as he rules the kingdom of darkness or the nations of the world. The other ruled over by the Lord Jesus Christ, the kingdom of light, as he rules over the nations of them which are saved. That that has been historically the case throughout the history of the world. And so nation rises up against nation. Nations doing battle. Often when we read about that in the Bible, what's in view is the spiritual battle between Satan's kingdom and God's dear son's kingdom. And and so God paints spiritual pictures in that way. Well, these are the nations that are brought before the Lord Jesus as he's seated upon his judgment throne, and he shall separate them one from another. Just two nations. So you separate the sheep on the right, the goats on the left. Where are all the other nations? There are no other nations. Just the nations of them which are saved and the nations of the world. And the sheep are everyone that Christ paid for their sins. The goats are those that Christ did not pay for their sins. Now, it's interesting that the Greek word translated as left is a compound word. It's made up of two Greek words. Strong's number 2095, which means good or well, and Strong's number 3686 in the Greek concordance, which means name. Literally, the word left means good name. The goats that are placed on the left maintain a good name. God's people, the sheep, go to the right. That's not a place of a good name. And as we've seen in the Day of Judgment especially, that God's people were reviled and ridiculed and mocked and spoken evilly of in a tremendous way immediately after May 21, 2011, and for quite a period thereafter, and still are disrespected by the world, by the church. They do not have the place of the good name. The place of the good name is for the goats. And the reason for this, the Lord um, addresses in Luke chapter 6, and this is the Beatitudes. This is where Christ gave his blessing. And that's the situation in Matthew 25. The ones on the right, the sheep, are blessed. The goats on the left are cursed. And and that's why we came to that passage, because that's what Noah did. Blessed be Shem, and cursed be Canaan. In the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 6, in the Beatitudes that the Lord Jesus is giving, it says in verse 22, Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast out your name as evil, for the Son of Man's sake, rejoice ye in that day, 
and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. And when is that day? Judgment day. Judgment day is the time, as we've seen, when God's people have their name cast out as evil. And the uh, professed Christians, they uh, deliver their good name. They, they try to salvage their good name. They want to be spoken well of. So they distance themselves from the teachings of the Bible, the Word of God, and Christ and the Word are inseparable, and, and, and the truth of the Bible, and Christ is the truth, and when you distance yourself from the true teachings or true doctrine of the Bible, you've actually distanced yourself from Christ himself, and they go to the place of the left. They don't want um, association. They don't want identification with doctrines such as date setting or doctrines about the end of the church. Uh, No, people in the churches now have ammunition because from their viewpoint, nothing happened on May 21, 2011. Thereby, they feel justified in all of their pronouncements, all of their condemnations against the teachings that came forth from the Bible regarding the end of the church age and so on. And and so in the time of judgment, there is a separation. The separation revolves around the word of God. Those people that continue to identify with the word of God or the true teaching of the Bible are spoken evil of. Their name is cast out. They are uh, on the right, which identifies with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, in God's sight, they are blessed. In the world's sight, well, the, the world speaks badly of them, speaks evil of them. On the other hand, the world speaks well of these on the left. Now, uh, again, from God's position, they are cursed. It says in Luke 6, a little further on, verse 26, Woe unto you, when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. And and to have a woe pronounced against you is the same as a curse. It's the equivalent thing. And so we see in that day there are those blessed who have their name cast out as evil, those that receive a woe from God and and they're spoken well of. Uh, we, we also read in Psalm 37 a verse that helps us now to understand the teaching of the parable in Matthew 25 where Christ is pronouncing blessings and cursings. The spiritual teaching of the historical parable in Genesis 9 with Noah and his vineyard. In Psalm 37, it says in verse 22, For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. And in Psalm 37, uh, it's basically a psalm where God speaks of blessings and cursings. The, the blessings upon the people of God, which finally will come to pass 
uh, ultimately with the reception of a new heaven and new earth. They'll inherit the earth, receive everlasting life. And the end of the natural-minded individual, the wicked man, is to be cut off, separated from God, which finally results in ultimate destruction or annihilation. And and so when we read of the Lord Jesus Christ blessing the sheep and placing them on his right, and we we looked into the word left and saw that that word has meaning. It, it means to be spoken well of. Well, what about right? The right is a word that identifies with being received. And that's the idea here, that they're received by God because their sins have been paid for. Well, let me just read here in Matthew 25 and verse 33, And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The same thing we just read in Psalm 37. They that are blessed inherit the earth. And then in verse 35, For I was a hungred, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. And that very much relates to Noah. He was naked. He was lying uncovered in his tent. And the one son, Ham, did not cover him, but told his two brethren, Shem and Japheth, did cover him. Shem and Japheth ended up receiving the blessing from Father Noah. And it points to, again, we we discussed this, the sending forth of the gospel in the day of salvation that provides spiritual covering over the sinful condition of God's elect. And so they are blessed. But notice that Jesus, the king, is speaking of himself being naked. And and that's why Noah's nakedness, uh, as Noah's the, the husbandman, a picture of God the Father, is uh, saying the same thing. God looks at those elect that were out there in the world that he had predestinated to receive salvation. He looked at them as being part of his own body, the body of Christ. And when they were covered, it was as though he was covered. And when gospels went forth as they were declared and broadcast or carried into the world via corrupt churches, via apostate churches and congregations, and they brought other kinds of gospels that could never cover over the sins of anyone, then it was as though they did not cover God's own nakedness. So Jesus says, I was naked, and ye clothe me to those that he blesses. And and they say, in verse 38, When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. That is, Jesus 
Remember, they said your your brethren are without your mother and your brethren are without. And Christ answered in the Gospels and said, "Who are my brethren? But they that do the will of God. God's elect do the will of God. They're His brethren. They're the ones that are in view here, and ultimately." are in view in the historical parable of Genesis chapter 9. And then in verse 41, the unsaved are addressed. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungred, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. And they also ask, when saw we thee hungry or thirsty or naked? And the answer in verse 45, Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. They're cut off. We can definitely see how the blessing and cursing are given in the time of judgment when all sheep and goats are brought before Christ. We are currently in that process as we have all come before the judgment seat and uh, there is a judgment being made. Now, a judgment can be condemnation, punishment, utter destruction. And all the wicked who bear their own sins will experience that kind of judgment. But a judgment can also be like Pilate. I find no fault in this man. And so, after the elect make their appearance, they perform the demonstration before the judgment seat of Christ, there will be a judgment rendered by God on their behalf. I find no fault in them because they have no fault. There is no sin upon them. All sin has already been cast upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, at the end of the prolonged judgment day, finally, at its completion, God pronounces them just. The The judgment is to find out whether they've done good or bad, good or evil, and they will be found having done good because no evil is upon them. And then at that point, they receive the blessing. They inherit the earth, the new heaven and new earth. They are brought into life evermore. And and that will be the final position of all God's elect on the right hand of the Son of God into eternity future. And then, of course, that final judgment upon the wicked. They're cut off. The world, the universe, their very being is all destroyed. They're gone eternally. They cease to exist. They perish like the beast. And they have no part in the eternal inheritance of all of God's people. This is ultimately what is being taught in this parable. Now, it goes on to say in uh, Genesis 9 and verses 28 and 29, I don't know if we have time for it, this study, but it says in verse 28, And Noah lived, after the flood, 350 years. And all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So God tells us the um, lifespan of Noah 
was 950, and 950 breaks down to 5 times 10 times 19, 5 pointing to atonement, 10 to completeness. Not sure what the number 19 spiritually represents. And also, we have the number of 350, 350 years after the flood, which breaks down to 5 times 7 times 10. Atonement, perfection, completion. The numbers have spiritual meaning, but I don't see any way we can tie in the 350 years with the period after May 21, 2011. It, it just doesn't seem to fit in any way. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.